everybody you're listening to can you dig it a podcast by silver screen and roll an sb nation lakers community you can check us out at silverscreenandroll.com or on social at lakers sbn my name is christian rivas and i'm here with half of the social team or should i say the better half mr grant goldberg grant how are you doing today my friend oh stop that <laughs> you know you you set the bar way too high this is the first episode this is, you know, the the launching point, and you're gonna go ahead and say that I'm the better half. We gotta let it play out on the floor or the podcast floor, whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, I'm super excited to get this going. I'm super excited to uh, be doing this podcast with you specifically, Christian, because I know we've been waiting to do this for a while. Uh, so hopefully, we can deliver something good for everybody that's listening. Definitely, and it should be noted that this is the first time we're doing this. This is the first ever episode of Can You Dig It? And I'm I'm pretty excited. Um, that but we have a lot to talk about, so we can't we can't talk about how excited we are too much. First off, the Lakers won their second game in a row after dropping three straight against the Denver Nuggets, um, and it was that for lack of a better word of the fool of Lance. I mean that he led a fourth quarter run. Uh, to, that basically put the Lakers in the best position they could to win. Grant, what what do you feel? How do you feel? I know you're conflicted about uh, Lance in Los Angeles, but these past two games have been a little hard to to be a, a hater of Lance in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean it's I mean especially nowadays in, in 2018, uh, it's especially hard to separate uh, whether it be the player from the person or the artist from the person. Uh, I mean, you got to enjoy, uh, when the Lakers are winning games and you got to at least give credit to where credit is due when they win games. And, uh, in the the past two nights, it's been Lance Stevenson putting it together. Uh, he had a near triple double against the Phoenix Suns. And then, uh, he puts on this miraculous run during the fourth quarter against the Denver Nuggets to give to give them their first loss of the year. And so, yeah, credit where credit is due. Uh, Lance does have his antics on court, and then he has the infamous history off court, which uh, if you you know don't know about that, I think you should look it up and 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 read about it and and make your full judgment on Lance Stevenson as a person. But yeah, it's it's always great to see Laker wins. I'm super excited. I think that the Lakers fed off the energy of Phil Mickelson being in the building as a sideline reporter, uh, broadcaster. Uh, so I think we need him in the house every game uh, from here on out just so we can secure the Lakers the one seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, and it, de- it definitely wasn't bad to have Kobe Bryant in the building either. You got Kobe Bryant, Yasiel Puig, which I know uh, w- with with how much he's struggled in the World Series so far, he's it's not, uh, you know, he doesn't have uh, the highest opinion among Dodgers fans right now, but uh, it was a star-studded crowd. Puig can, um, Puig can do no wrong in my that, eyes. That is I, true. I love Puig. He's probably my favorite player on the Dodgers. If you're not just, if you're just considering, you know, everything as a person, I love Puig so much. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a really star-studded crowd to uh, build off your point. Floyd Mayweather was there, um, but I, I think too. 
when you're comparing lefties uh, in in Phil Mickelson and Kobe Bryant, uh, noted, I mean, most notably Kobe when he was shooting with his left hand when he hurt his right hand uh, in New Orleans. Uh, you really gotta you really gotta factor that in when you're comparing the two. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I mean, Phil he's going up against Tiger later uh, in this year, I think in November. So he's got to watch LeBron James to to know what kind of greatness. Uh, he needs to tap into it to at least come close to Tiger. But anyways, this is a Lakers podcast, so <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm gonna bring I mean, it back. You no, know, Christian, I wanted to know what was the the biggest thing that you saw besides Lance Stevenson that contributed to the Lakers win. Well, I I think the, the other half, or I, I should say, the other quarter of the meme team has been phenomenal, and and of course I'm talking about Javale McGee, uh, who had 21 points tonight which has, is a regular for him since he's joined the Lakers. And, and not just, you know, 21 points. 21 points on 62.5% shooting from the field. Uh, he, he blocked a shot. I mean, he's been, by all accounts, a very good center for the Lakers. And I don't think that's something, uh, you know, Lakers fans expect him to fit well with the team because he runs the floor. Uh, he can He can make easy layups dunks but he's been like really really good and i'm i'm blown away especially for the veterans minimum for what the lakers got him he's outplayed his contract in the first few games yeah definitely i think that you know and and, and the national narrative on javel mcgee's the shackton player the the player that just really can't seem to get things right gets in his own way but he's really had a good few years he had a couple of years with the warriors uh had great success there didn't play very many minutes uh but he's getting he's getting the opportunity in los angeles and i kind of made this point jokingly um on silver skin rolls twitter feed but you know he could actually be a legitimate contender for the most improved player and we saw the same thing kind of, and this is on a, a comparing two different players and two different points in their career, but with CJ McCollum, uh, he was, he was always good for Portland, but you know, one year he just got the opportunity, he got the minutes and we saw this sort of meteoric rise from McCollum. Now I'm not saying it's the same meteoric rise for McGee, but we're seeing him get the opportunity. We're seeing the fit come together and it's coming together uh, in a season where he's 30 years old and um, he has this perception of just a, a kind of joker of a player, but you know, he takes the game seriously. He works hard. He's a good guy off the court. Uh, he's an easy guy to root for. And you know, it, it's just making this Lakers season all the better. And especially when they're winning and he's a big part of that. Yeah. And I, I think to put into context, how phenomenal JaVale McGee's been. He's averaging 17.2 uh, points uh, through five games and only 25 minutes per game. Uh, and he's also, you know, contributing seven rebounds, 2.8 blocks per game. Small sample size, only five games. But, I mean, to put, to put it into even more context, his per 36 minutes are off the charts right now. I mean, they're, they're borderline what we were seeing from Julius Randle uh, last season and the season before, where he's putting up uh, 24.4 points, 9.9 rebounds, uh, a steal, four blocks per game per 36 minutes. I mean, he's been awesome. And, I, and you know, like you said, for somebody that's had this um, unfair national narrative surrounding him for, for many years in his career, it's really, really nice 
to see him blossoming, for lack of a better word, or just coming into his own on a team filled with playmakers, one of them being LeBron James, of course. And LeBron got his first triple-double in a Lakers uniform on Thursday, and it, it was really only a matter of time, right, Grant? It took us a whole seven and a half minutes in our first show to bring up LeBron James. Like, how crazy is that? <laughs> Yeah, we we started off the show talking about Lance Stevenson and and JaVale McGee, but no, LeBron James is as incredible as advertised. Um, just seeing him, it's it's completely different in the regular season from the preseason. Obviously, you see these just um, just spectacular plays, the plays that he makes look so easy. And everything, just the game is so is so slowed down to him compared to you know these younger players who try to play fast and and try not to make mistakes and and therefore make mistakes. And so we're seeing LeBron have this influence on the team where it's sort of a calming, uh, influential uh, playing style where we're seeing players slow down, let the let the plays come to them, and let LeBron make things happen and. You know, that's just, you know, from a mental aspect, LeBron is just such a physically dominant player. And we saw that tonight. We saw that on the boards. We saw him getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. And uh, dishing the ball out, like I was saying, uh, when his players do get into the right spots. And uh, he had he should have had a few more assists tonight with, with Jonathan Williams and Kyle Kuzma both uh, missing layups. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough great things about LeBron James on and off the court. We can go for a full hour and we still wouldn't uh, run out of things to talk about with LeBron James. Absolutely. And I I think you mentioned Kyle Kuzma missing a few bunnies at the rim, but Kuzma by all accounts uh, since entering the starting lineup has looked really good playing next to LeBron James. Um, And I think uh, that's probably going to cause a problem when Brandon Ingram and Rajon Rondo get back, right? Yeah, I think so because you know Ingram is a player who you know operates with the ball a little more in his hands, and and same case even more so with Rondo. Uh, I think Rondo does get relegated to the bench. Uh, they just, I mean, Luke has a penchant for uh, letting the hot hand you know ride it out, and and Lonzo's playing well. The team is winning games, and I don't think they want to mess with that too much. And so I think we're gonna see some funky lineups. Um, I don't, I, I. And JaVale McGee's making it harder than it seems because, you know, if you ask me, uh, even during the preseason, during training camp, uh, what I think the lineup should be, I would have said probably Lonzo, Hart, Kuzma, or Ingram, Kuzma, LeBron. But uh, JaVale's worked his way into the rotation, and I think either either one of uh, Josh Hart or Kyle Kuzma gets moved to the bench when Brandon Ingram comes back. But I do think Luke makes more of a concerned effort to get Kuz onto the floor with LeBron, given their great fit and how well they're playing together. Yeah, and I think the best way to do that, probably, uh, if I was Luke Walton, which that doesn't sound like a bad life, being head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, making million to millions of dollars a year. Being a, being a pretty handsome guy, too. Yeah, and he, uh, I, I'll, I'll go on record on this podcast right now and say he's easily the best looking coach in the NBA by like a lot. I think Brad Stevens, because he, he's also a young guy is probably in that conversation as well. But Luke, Luke takes it home. If there, if there was an yeah, fan voted or media voted NBA award for, for best looking coach, Luke takes it every year. 
Uh, but uh, you know, I was I was gonna chip in. I was trying to think of something to say right there, but uh, for right now, I'll I'll go on board and say that's indisputable. Yeah. Um. So if I was Luke Walton, I think the the next or the the because you for me, I I can make an argument for about seven guys on the roster for a starting spot, which is a good spot to be in as a coach because you want a deep team. So for for me, that would be. Lonzo Ball, Rajon Rondo, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, JaVale McGee, and of course LeBron James. Uh, but of the guys I I think would make most sense moving to the bench going forward are probably Rondo and Kuzma. And I say Kuzma because Kuzma, uh, with the exception of Lonzo, I think Kuzma has benefited most from getting more reps with LeBron. I mean, he just looks like a natural fit next to LeBron. And a lot of people expected this. A lot of people expected Kuzma to, you know, emerge as the natural number two option to Kuzma because LeBron, historically speaking, has played well with players that can, one, shoot the ball, uh, and two, space the floor at the four position uh, with LeBron playing the three with Brandon Ingram out. So, But the reason I say Kuzma moves to the bench is because like we said earlier in the show, JaVale McGee's only playing uh, close to 23, 25 minutes a night. Uh, so if you get JaVale as the first guy off the bench, you get Kuzma with the starters, you know, almost as as if he was a starter. And um, I think that beyond Kuzma moving to the bench, the, the Lonzo Rondo um, matchup for the starting position, I think just gets uh, farther and farther away as as each game Lonzo gets more reps and. Uh, looks more comfortable out there, but I think Kuzma and Rondo are the two guys right now. I'd feel comfortable moving to the bench, but uh, it's it's definitely going to be really really hard on Luke when he comes back. Yeah, I agree, and I'll I'll build on to your Kuz point going to the bench, uh, and it's not a knock on on Kuz at all pushing him to the bench. It's a role that we've seen him succeed in before. But, you know, and to provide a counter argument to my current argument about moving to him to the, moving him to the bench is that you know he's playing so well in the starting lineup that, like I said earlier, Luke just may want to ride it out. And I know that may cause a rift, you know, amongst basketball circles, but, you know, it's working for the Lakers. And so I don't I don't know if he messes with that too much. Uh, I think it'll take an, another you know game or two to know if it's you know sustainable and it's for real. But uh, as of right now, uh, Kuz is just such a fluid fit. He runs the floor. He's really active off ball, which I like for his fit not only with LeBron but with Lonzo and potentially Rajon Rondo when he comes back. And so you know Kuz is just a, a good fit for this team, uh, this playmaker centric team. Uh, being such a, a fluid scorer with his play, uh, with his uh, footwork, with the way he runs the floor w- when he tries to find open spots with his cuts, I think he's just the easiest fit, the easiest guy to plug and play with with different lineups, and that's why it's so easy to move him to the bench to play with the second unit or keep him in the starting lineup. So, uh, let's go with the assumption that, which I don't think is a bad argument at all, that Luke rides this out, Luke. Uh, looks at the the team that's playing right now and saying, okay, well, we've won two games with you. Uh, might as well ride it out until it stops working. If Kuzma stays in the starting lineup, who moves to the bench and what does that look like? Ooh, I think, 
I think even maybe they they move Josh Hart back to the bench, and which which sucks to say because he's playing as well as anybody not named LeBron James on the Lakers, and they put in Brandon Ingram, and and kind of make him the de facto point guard. Uh, they they do like you know having multiple playmakers in the lineup. They'd have LeBron James. They'd have Lonzo Ball, but just another uh, another guy who can push the ball up, up the floor, but in Brandon Ingram, a guy who can provide length, can provide defense, and uh, just another element to the Lakers lineup with uh, with the tools that he has. It, it's a really tough decision, and, and like I said, it's, it's a good spot for Luke to be in, but also a really tough spot trying to figure out you know where to fit these guys in when they come back in, in Ingram and Rondo. I actually really, really like the idea... Uh, of Ingram playing the de facto point guard in the first unit because you've seen how well Lonzo can play off ball uh, even in his limited minutes with uh, Rajon Rondo but also at UCLA with Aaron Holiday he did that really well and I think we've seen throughout his career Brandon Ingram is probably at his best when he's playing that de facto point guard position so uh, I, I I really like that idea it's it's kind of similar to what Philly's experimenting with uh, Simmons and Fultz in the backcourt right now, where Fultz obviously looks more comfortable playing the point guard position, but um, he can play the two. Lonzo especially uh, can pick up twos. Not that I think he would in a in a you know in a lineup where Brandon Ingram, who you know is is the his wingspan is super long. I mean he's a he's a very long player uh, for you know. It, because I can't, I can't think of any other way to describe him. Uh, but I think in a lineup where you have Ingram running the point, uh, Zoe at the two, LeBron at the three, uh, that's I, I would love to see that. And I think uh, Luke should strongly consider it for sure. Yeah, and and if I can take a moment, can we create our first hashtag for the show? I'm gonna go on on a limb and just say hashtag Lonzo better than Fultz. <laughs> I mean, so we're, we're just going to ride this Lonzo better thing out. It's, it's kind of similar to the, to the, uh, to the justice better and the, the Steph better of NBA Twitter circles. But, uh, I, I think we should ride out this hashtag Lonzo better thing. I think, I think it'll work for us. Absolutely. And, and are we wrong? Lon- I mean, <laughs> we only provide facts on this. Yeah. Can you dig it? Podcast. Exactly. I agree. I cannot, I cannot argue with you. Not only because uh, it would be bad for our show, but also because uh, I agree with you completely. Um, through the first five games, who is, who has been the best player on the Lakers? Ooh, I mean, I I feel like there has to be an asterisk on it because you know at any given time on the floor, LeBron's the best player, but. Uh, Absolutely. I'm going to I, I'm going to put a quantifier on it, and so I'm going to say not LeBron James, and and kind of factor in expectations coming into the season, and so doing that, um, I mean Javale would be an obvious answer, but since we you know spent such a, a good amount of time talking about him, I'm gonna go with our guy, uh, Josh Hart, Josh Barkley, Jason Hart, you know whatever you want to call him. You know, he he's just been spectacular. I think that he, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, is has been such a, a, a great player for the Lakers 
And, you know, when you talk about, you know, his, his post defense, you know, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, revolutionary, but, uh, you know, I'm running out of other terms to describe it. Uh, but, you know, he's been a great fit with LeBron. And I think that's what's most important for this team. Uh, guys, you know, how they look with LeBron on this floor. Uh, you can look at it on paper all you want, but when they step on the floor, you know, that's really what we're going to see. And we're going to see, you know, how they mesh truly. You can, you uh, you can assume JaVale McGee is going to be a good fit, but you know, he's actually proving that he's a good fit. Uh, Brandon Ingram has been a little bit of a clunky fit with LeBron. Kyle Kuzma has been the opposite. And so Josh Hart, you know, in my mind, you know, I wasn't totally sure how he was going to mesh with LeBron, but you know, he plays super hard. He runs the floor. He makes cuts. He plays defense. You know, although he has some happy feet, but uh, he gets to the rim relentlessly. And uh, I think not only does he you know fit well with LeBron in that sense, because LeBron can just distribute the ball to him, and good stuff will happen. But uh, I think he earns LeBron's respect and uh, Luke Walton's respect, uh, especially after he you know vouches for him in a post game press conference where he absolutely berates the refs. And so, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Josh Hart as a guy who's who's played the best for the Lakers this season that's not named LeBron James. And and that was the big lineup change Luke Walton made this week is moving Contavious Caldwell-Pope from the lineup in favor of Josh Hart. And I think yeah, Josh has gotten off to a phenomenal start to the season. Um, he looks better than the, the player we saw last season, and he looks more like the player that won uh, MVP at Summer League. Um, the thing with Hart that I've been a little disappointed by is his perimeter defense. I mean, um, compared to last season, he's really taken a step back in that regard. But the reason he's in the lineup and Contavious Caldwell Pope isn't is because how phenomenal he's been on the offensive end. I mean, KCP, and I, I like KCP. I think he earned... Um, almost every penny of the contract the Lakers gave him this summer. Plus, he gave us an inside, uh, you know, an inside lane to LeBron James through uh, Rich Paul. But I mean, beside the fact, for the second half of last season, he was one of the Lakers' most reliable players. So I like him. I hope he gets out of his shooter, shooting slump sooner rather than later. But until then, he's also been pretty bad on the defensive end. So if he can't shoot and he can't defend. You're going to go with the guy that can do at least one of them. And Hart's been very good on that end. Uh, he's averaging 15.6 points on 50% shooting from the field and 44.8% from Ooh. the three-point range. Abs- yes, exactly. Finger kisses. You can't see a finger kiss through a podcast, yeah. but I am doing a finger kiss. Chef's Beautiful. Kiss. Absolutely. Wow. But yeah, uh, as good as Josh Hart has been, I think KCB has been bad. Um yeah, I was I was on board uh, with the with the contract that he got this off season. Uh, I was a big fan of his when he wasn't in jail last season. Uh, clearly, which is such a that, such a weird uh, qualifier, by the yeah. way, when he wasn't in jail. Yeah, no, but he was he was good. I think for for the most part, he was underrated last year. Uh, he definitely filled the. I mean, he he filled the shoes that he had coming into Los Angeles. Uh, the reputation was that you know he played defense and he hit threes and he did just that uh, in any non-December month for the Lakers and so you know we had kind of bigger expectations for him this year you know he's the the three and D guy you want with LeBron and uh, he's not really filled that and and Josh Hart stepped up 
And I think, too, you know, one of the contributing factors to his step back on defense is the the load that he's carrying on offense. You know, he's being asked to do more. He's creating more. Uh, he's, you know, definitely getting to the rim more. Uh, he's playing a very physical game when you're talking about him on the offensive side of the ball. And so, you know, that takes a toll on you. And, you know, he definitely puts in the effort on defense. But, you know, when you're taking those hits at the rim and when you're, you know, expending so much effort offensively, you know, that definitely takes away from, you know, what you can contribute on the defensive side of the floor. And, and that's uh, a great point. And I think, you know, as the season goes on, Maybe he gets used to, you know, carrying that dual load. Uh, but he's definitely being asked to do more this year offensively than he was last um, last season. Um, the, my thing with Josh Hart and the reason I really like the move by Luke Walton is that my opinion has always been if you're going to start Josh Hart, you also have to start Lonzo Ball because uh, and, and I think Luke shares the same mentality because with Rajon Rondo and Contavious Caldwell, Caldwell Pope were in the starting lineup. Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart were coming off of the bench. And I think they're a very good fit together. No matter what the Lakers do, whether they, you know, go with Rondo and KCP in the starting lineup when they're both or when Rondo's back uh, on Saturday, um, wh- whatever he, he does, I think Lonzo and Hart need to be on the floor as much as they can together and Rondo and KCP complement each other better whether again whether they're starting or coming off the bench that's just a better backcourt duo um and you know whether or not you agree with the personnel decisions uh Luke Walton's made you know through the first five games I think that awareness that uh the pairings of Lonzo and Hart or Rondo and KCP um, I think that's something he's done really well in trying to stay together. You can argue his methods of keeping them together, uh, but I think that's a that's a really good observation by Luke. Yeah, definitely. And I think that you know when you have both Lonzo and Josh Hart on the floor at the same time together, you're maximizing the amount of talent that you have in your backcourt. But uh, in those two guys, Lonzo and Josh Hart, those are two guys that you can play you know, interchangeably with Rajon Rondo at the same time. And uh, you can play Lonzo with KCP. Uh, you can play, you know, Josh Hart and, and, and Rondo by themselves. And I, I think that, you know, they they have a game that they can tailor it to who they're playing uh, with in that backcourt. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll talk about Lonzo for a little bit right now since we shifted the conversation uh, uh, just a tad bit. Um you know, with his shooting and with how confident he looks with the ball in his hands, he's making, you know, that, that backcourt pairing with whoever it may be that much more fluid. I think a, a, this is a, a, a big comparison, but when you look last year in the playoffs at Rondo and Drew Holiday and, and that same Pelicans backcourt together, that defensively, you know, that was just, uh, I, I, I'm blanking on the word. But it was just such a big challenge for opposing backcourts, uh, namely uh, a Portland backcourt that I'm not going to name. Um, <laughs> but you know they they you know put teams to the ringer uh, defensively, and and Drew last year was obviously you know more adept on the offensive end than Lonzo was last year. But we're seeing this step forward uh, f- this year for Lonzo, you know, at the rim shooting the ball. And so he's posing more of a threat, and he's 
uh, therefore allowing, you know, the opportunity to play him next to Rondo, who, you know, doesn't have that shooting ability, really, uh, shooting ability, really. And, uh, you know, he's, he's more of a pure creator, uh, gets the rim and finds guys. And so you're seeing Lonzo being able to score and, and therefore just being a better fit with whoever he plays with. Uh, he's making it a better fit with LeBron. We're seeing that pairing get better game by game. And, you know, it's making for really, really exciting ball uh, for the Lakers. Yeah, and it, to, to your point, uh, like we'd be remiss to not mention how good and essential Lonzo was to the Lakers win against Denver on Thursday because, I, I mean, it, not even just his his court vision because his, his court vision is phenomenal. We all knew that. That was a scouting report go, uh, on him going into the league. But his instincts on both ends of the floor are just so good that uh, last year you you could look past his shooting and say like but he can do everything else and anything else you want him on the uh anything else you want him to do on the floor he can do but this year you don't have to do that i mean he's shooting 40% from 3 this year through 5 games i don't know if that'll hold but he definitely looks more confident shooting i mean he got he got um isolated on nikola jokic uh during the game he, he and he wanted that shot. He he sized up Jokic, took a step back and drained it in his face. And there were very few times we saw that from Lonzo last season. San Antonio is one of the games I can think where he just absolutely took over. Um, but I mean, yeah, definitely. And but I think that confidence and he said so himself that the difference between this season, this season and last season so far has just been how how confident he's been. And we've seen, you know, more pull-ups from him, more catch-and-shoots without hesitation. I mean, it's more than anything. I think confidence is going to be a big thing with Lonzo, and he's he's on the right track. I'm I'm very excited to see um, what he does this season. He's another guy, though, that has been, uh, you know, he's been good on defense, but he wasn't as good as what he was last season. And I wonder if that has anything to do with the muscle he's packed on, uh, that he packed on over the summer, uh, and the fact that you know he he didn't get a whole ton of conditioning done during the summer because he was out with that uh, knee injury. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a bunch of different factors that can go into it too. Uh, I I think I'll go with the you know fact that he couldn't really condition like you know NBA players do in the offs uh, do ramping it up in training camp and he missed some time. And uh, he's had to face James Harden. He's had to face a good backcourt uh, in the Denver Nuggets uh, and in San Antonio with DeMar DeRozan. And so, you know, there's there's op- there's going to be more opportunities, I think, for him to show out a little more defensively. But it's the little things, too, with him. You know, just uh, the placement of the hands, uh, where to be on the court. Uh, I think that, you know, yeah, you, you said it yourself, the, the instincts that he has, those are just special. Those are intangibles that, you know, not every player has. And so, you know, we're lucky to see that in Lonzo. And uh, his court vision is always phenomenal. His decision-making tonight was great. We saw him, you know, know when to shoot the ball. He was a little hesitant to shoot it and, and put it up in the first half. But we saw a different player in the second half. And uh, just his decision-making, his, his effort tonight... He was fighting on the boards. He was diving for loose balls, keeping plays alive. 
and therefore, you know, helping the helping the Lakers win. It's gonna take it's gonna take plays just like that for the Lakers to win. Uh, if if anything that we've seen early on the season is true, uh, in all of these close games, uh, the Lakers have played really tough, and they've lost a couple games by nine points or, or so. But you know, those games are tough. Where they, those teams pull away at the end. Uh, and and I forgot to mention he faced C.J. McCollum and and Damian Lillard in the first game. And so there's yeah, there's gonna definitely be you know some times where Lonzo looks better on defense than he has, but uh, it's it's definitely harder for him. I I, I think you know personally, uh, having had to condition and uh, come back from knee injuries myself, uh, to you know kind of reach that form where you were uh, in the in the prior time before your knee injury. And so I think what at that injury specifically actually he tore his meniscus. I tore my meniscus a few times. And so, you know, just like Lonzo Ball, you know, I, I know it's tough to uh, to come back and, and be the kind of generational talent that you've been in in at least some aspects of your game. Yeah, and there there are definitely no days off in the NBA when it comes to backcourts. I mean, even even on on Thursday against the Nuggets, he had Jamal Murray and Gary Harris who, you know, aren't going to get any all star votes, but they're a solid backcourt. Um so Lonzo's definitely had his work cut out for him. Saturday, the Lakers will take on the San Antonio Spurs again. They lost an absolute heartbreaker to them uh, on Monday in overtime after LeBron James sent the crowd into a frenzy at home. It was a very exciting game, and I, I, I was so sad it had to end in a loss. But in order to get a win on Saturday, what do the Lakers have to do? Um, I think they just have to not really mess with things that are going on right now. Kyle Kuzma's playing out of his mind. Keep him in the lineup. Um, Lonzo Ball's playing the best basketball that we've seen him play uh, this year. And so, you know, don't mess with that. So I, I, I think the the message that I'd have is just stay the course. Let things flow. LeBron's playing well. JaVale's playing well. And just, just you know, keep that same effort that you're you're putting out you know, just like tonight, you know, put it out on, on Saturday night against the Spurs. I think that it's going to be a very interesting game uh, mentally and, and, and seeing how they come back against that same team. Uh, I, I wonder if they, you know, try to flip that switch and just try to dominate from, from the first whistle. But uh, if, you know, like I said earlier, if, if any of these few games that they played already have, you know, kind of set the precedent for them. It's going to be another close one. So I think, you know, a lot more of those effort plays will, you know, will shift things in the right direction for the Lakers against the Spurs this time around. And hopefully the the game, I mean, not to get on my Luke Walton for a little bit, but hopefully the game is a little better officiated than it was on Monday cuz Man, that was that was a little tough to watch. Every time LaMarcus Aldridge breathed, he was at the line. So um, that'll definitely be interesting to watch. Uh, Grant, this was a ton of fun. I look forward to doing this with you more in the future. Uh, but for our for our first show, I, th- I think we're off to a great start, and I hope you guys like it too. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead, go to iTunes, leave a five star review. Uh, let us know what you what you think about the show. Let us know what you guys want to hear. Uh, we're still in the very, very early stages. We're taking baby steps to get better. But if you guys have a suggestion or you guys uh, like something that you're hearing, go ahead, let us know because you know the the feedback's really important, especially at this early stage in the show before we get stuck in our habits. Uh, you can follow both of us on Twitter. 
Uh, I'm at Grant Goldberg and, and Christian's at Rad Rivas. Um, and you can follow Silver Screen and Roll at Lakers SBN. And so take advantage of that. We're, we're super accessible guys. You can always reach out to us and, and ask some questions and, and just uh, talk about the Lakers. And we'll you know do our best to respond. But we always appreciate when we get feedback, whether it's in a five-star review that you should definitely leave or if it's on Twitter.com. Definitely. Uh, and until then, we'll see you guys next time.